The Gospel reading for today is from the book of John, chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. You have already seen every branch that bears fruit he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. This ends the word. Thank you, Mike. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. It's good to see you all as we gather for worship this morning. Uh, please pray with me. Gracious God, we have all come this morning seeking something. We long to know you, we long to feel connected, rooted, whole forgiven, refreshed, healed, or made new. We know you meet us in this holy place, on this holy ground. Meet us in our longings. Heal us with your power that we may abide in you as you abide in us. In Jesus' name, amen. So how many of you have done or know something about your genealogy? Has anybody done any genealogy work? How many people can trace back to their great-grandparents? Pretty good, pretty good. How about great-great-grandparents? Great-great-great-grandparents? Pretty good. How can, who can go back to the 1700s? Anybody? Wow. 1600s? Back here. Wow. Here. Fantastic. Thank you. Thanks. Um, genealogy has become, it seems, more and more popular these days. We're kind of in a, a genealogy boom. Uh, a few years ago, USA Today said that genealogy was the, most sec- the second most popular hobby in America behind gardening. Uh, and there are websites and TV shows and now DNA testing to trace your heritage. It's become a multi-billion dollar industry. Um, and by the way, while I was working on this week, did you see that story in the news about the Golden State Killer? That they caught him using a genealogy website. Amazing. So in the news before us this week. But why has a genealogy become so popular, do you think? Uh, well, there's no doubt that it's easier now with technology and that the more people do it, the more information we have, the more connections that we can make. But there's also a deep longing in us to know, I think, where we came from, who we are, uh, both of which may give us some indication of where we are going. 
We like to know our roots and to feel rooted in a world that is constantly changing. Um, Harvard professor Henry Louis Gates hosts the great PBS show Finding Your Roots on genealogies. And he said this, he said, I love genealogy. I think that if people do their family tree and have their DNA analyzed, it'll help break down barriers. It helps people realize that we're all the same at the level of genomes. Our experiences are very common, especially in terms of immigration, he says. We're all here. We all have a story. And doing someone's family tree is like opening a secret door you didn't know existed. He says, I think a lot of people turn to finding your roots because there's so much anxiety about the present. There's anxiety about the present and the future, and that means you turn to the past for security, to ground yourself. People want to find stability by knowing where they came from, on what foundation they stand. I think that's why genealogy is so popular today. I actually don't know that much about my own genealogy. Um, There wasn't much talk in my family about the old world. I think somebody just along the way decided, we're just Americans and that's that. Um, And my dad used to jokingly warn us not to look too far back in our history because we were bound to find horse thieves uh, or some such thing. So there isn't too much there that I know. Um, So what I have are really fragments of my lineage. Um, My dad's side are probably descended from Scots-Irish who were imported to the western border of the U.S., which at the time was the Appalachian Mountains. Uh, And my great-grandfather was an Appalachian coal miner. And so when we go down to ASP, I feel a great affinity for the people and for the land there. Um, The only story I know about him is that when he'd come home from the mine, he'd be covered in soot, and he'd go into the bathroom to clean up, and when he came out, he was perfectly spotless. (laughs) Um, My grandfather, his son, was a Baltimore cab driver. Um, And on my mom's side, they were Germans who worked the land for a living. My mother grew up in relative poverty. Um, My parents went to school at night, got good jobs. I was the first in my family to go to college full-time, and what do you know, I wound up at Harvard. And these fragments tell me that my life, my family, has a kind of trajectory, that each successive generation (laughs) 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 has worked hard to make things a little better for the next. Um, And so in that, I feel the joy of my forebears and also a responsibility to carry it forward. A few weeks ago at Passover, my kids heard again the story about Bubby Helen, uh, my wife's grandmother, a Polish Jew during World War II, who escaped Poland as a teenager and traveled around the world from Poland to Russia to Japan to Hawaii to California and then finally reunited with her father in New York and eventually immigrated to Canada. And it's the defining story of Jenny's family that illuminates their Jewish identity, explains the fact that why there, why there are so few Alboins in the world uh, and why they hold their family so close and why they hold so fast to being Canadian. It's a reminder when we hear that story each time that life is fragile, that life is a gift, that my kids are only here because of Bubby Helen's courage and that that courage lives on in them. These kinds of stories, and all of us have these stories, whether they're just fragments or maybe the stuff of legend, these stories tell us who we are. 
They tell us where we've come from and something of what we're made of, and they shape who we hope to be. They give us a history, a trajectory, a sense of responsibility and hope. They remind us that we're connected to something that began long before us and will continue on long after us. They tell us that the present is deeply connected to the past and to the future. They tell us that we're connected, that we're interdependent, and we are integrated. And this is what I've been musing on these past couple of weeks as I've reread Jesus' teaching about the vine and the branches. He says, Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit unless, uh, by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me you can do nothing. Simply put, God is the vine grower, Jesus is the vine, and we are the branches. We draw life from Jesus as we pass it on to bear much fruit in the world. We are rooted in Jesus, and we are intertwined with each other and part of something much larger and broader than we can imagine. You know, so often faith becomes very individualized or localized. When we think of the church, we may think of those particular service times we attend or those people in our congregation or the few congregations in our lives to which we have belonged. But being a part of the church is something that's much bigger, something that's been going on for 2,000 years, and where on this very day billions of people around the world are hearing Bible stories and praying and singing and worshiping the same God. Our roots are deep, and our beloved community is wide and sprawling. In our divine ancestry, there are disciples and early church women who fueled the Christian movement. And in a reading for today, which we didn't hear, there was an Ethiopian who insisted on being baptized and took that faith back to Ethiopia, which is now one of the most ancient centers of Christianity in the world. There are saints and martyrs and reformers and revolutionaries, immigrants and refugees. And did you know the largest uh, Lutheran populations are um, in the world are first, as you might imagine, where it all started, Germany. But then after that, Ethiopia, Tanzania, Sweden, Indonesia, Denmark, India, Finland, Norway, the U.S., Madagascar, Nigeria, the Netherlands, Papua New Guinea, and Namibia. Our, do, our, our roots are deep and wide and diverse. As one commentator writes about our gospel reading, in a vine, branches are almost completely indistinguishable from one another. It's impossible to determine where one branch stops and another branch starts. All run together as they grow out of the central vine. We are descended from this divine DNA, which we pass on to each successive generation through many of the good things that we celebrate this spring. Baptisms, first communions, confirmations, welcoming new members, and bearing witness to God's love as we serve our neighbors. You know, last Sunday we baptized Alexa Harley here at the nine o'clock service. And in that moment, as the water was poured over her head, she became part of the lineage of God's people, infused with our history, our story, our hopes, and our dreams, and she carries it forward and will make it her own. And Jesus calls us, invites us to abide in that vine, to find ourselves rooted in the family of God, and to find ourselves rooted in Jesus himself. 
And there are so many ways that we abide in Jesus. We pray, we worship, we serve. Uh, But just a little later in John's gospel, Jesus tells us exactly what it means to abide. He says, as the Father has loved me, so I love you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. And this is my commandment, to love one another as I have loved you. To abide in Jesus is to love one another in the world that Jesus loves. To love it passionately, faithfully, fiercely, and unconditionally. He says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. I have said these things so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. I think all of this can sound a little abstract, but um, to make it more real, sometimes I like to think back in my life over, over the years of the people who have shaped me in my faith and calling to do a kind of spiritual genealogy starting with my childhood pastor, pastor share, and working my way onward. might be interesting for you to do sometime. And when we do that, I think, we see that faith is not transmitted just through the air or osmosis. It's transmitted through people. And so we look to those saints among us who show us the way and set the tone who we are able to model our lives after. Um, Two weeks ago, during confirmation class, we uh, had a dinner together as we learned about Holy Communion. And uh, Moose Ott, who many of you may know uh, from his wonderful desserts at coffee hour, um, was our special guest. So Moose cooked the whole meal for all of us, all 50 of us. Uh, And then I asked uh, Moose if I could interview him and talk about his love of cooking. Um, Because he cooks not just for coffee hour for a confirmation class. He cooks for our Soul Sisters luncheon, our Ash Wednesday luncheon, um, for our nursery school teachers. He and Lori pick up food for Chosen 300 every month, and he bakes and cooks for anyone and everyone. Um, And it's a great ministry and a gift that he shares with others. Uh, And so we did a little interview, and I asked him to talk about about that passion that he has and that gift that he has that he shares with others. And that even though he's legally blind and he makes his way around the kitchen with a magnifying glass and a flashlight, he makes these amazing bait goods for everybody that he meets. And it makes me so happy in this thing called church that I get to be connected to somebody like Moose, that we get to be connected to somebody like Moose and that we get to be connected to each other. Really, it's a true gift to know that we are part of God's beloved community, that each of us have a place and a role and a gift and a ministry to share, and that we can see that in each other. Sometimes we're able to see it better than you can see it in yourself, and to know that together we can love the world that God loves so much. In our first reading, it says, Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. God's love was revealed among this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that God loved us and sent his son as the sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God has loved us so much, we ought to love one another. The defining characteristic of our divine DNA is love. Um, And it reminds me of my favorite part of our Harry Potter script from 
uh, Holy Humor Sunday, which is probably my favorite saying in the whole Harry Potter series, which you may have heard me quote every now and then. Um, it's when Harry asked Professor Dumbledore while, why the lo- evil Lord Voldemort couldn't kill him. And Dumbledore says this. He says, uh, your mother died to save you. If there is one thing Voldemort cannot understand, it is love. He didn't realize that love as powerful as your mother's for you leaves its own mark, not a scar, no visible sign, to have been loved so deeply, even though the person who loved us is gone, will give us protection forever. It is in your very skin. The love of God and the love we experience through God's people is the heart of who we are. It is the heart of our identity and our life's work. It grounds us, it gives us protection, and it sends us into the world with great courage to share God's love with the world. Amen.